Welcome to the Sal Vetri Show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the channel and the podcast. It is currently 6.35 a.m. East Coast time. It is November Friday, November 29th. Hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Hope you had a ton of fun, food, family, friends, football, all the Fs, right? Maybe it was frigid where you were. Who knows? But whatever it is, it is now Friday, another F. We're on a roll here. And I'm going to do a, usually this is the final thoughts video. Maybe we're, we will still find, title it that way. I've done research here. We're going to do way more research throughout the day today for myself and into tomorrow due to the, the Thanksgiving travel arrangements for many people, of course, and then also just the, the Thanksgiving slate, right? These show, usually week 13, this slate uh, it becomes an afterthought until like Friday, right? Usually on Tuesday, Monday, people are getting into the next NFL slate, but it's it's not until Friday because of Thanksgiving and the Thanksgiving three game slate. So we'll go there. This is not officially the final thoughts we would like to say like every week. If you're new here, usually I do a video on a Tuesday, look at the slate, break it down. That's kind of what this is going to be just more intense. I, I've already looked at all the ownership numbers, which I don't usually do on Tuesdays. I've done a a deep dive, but not like super deep into this. So um, this is a spot where I'm probably like 80% done with my research as I usually am for this time uh, during the week. So you can check back in on uh, Osmo or uh, Osmo later on Saturday uh, for a stream with Christian Doma. We'll talk about this late as well, as well as on Sunday, my closing thoughts podcast. But thank you for being here. If you're new here, my name is indeed Salvatore. I do cover daily fantasy sports in the NFL, NBA, WNBA, and the MLB streets. Appreciate if you hit the subscribe button. Appreciate if you hit the five-star rate interview on the audio that is totally free to do those things on this free content. That is the best way to sort of help the channel and the podcast grow and allow me to continue to do this for as often as I do 10 to 15 hours a week on YouTube. If you want to support me even more, Patreon linked up down below. I have exclusive content. I will do a closing thoughts podcast on Sunday. Tell you where my stacks are, where closing ownership is, where I am at. I will have a Patreon live stream tomorrow, as well as I did an ownership show today on Friday, depending on when you're listening to this. It could have been yesterday, two days ago on Friday, discussing my leverage plays, uh, guys that I think are overowned, guys that I think are properly owned, and the slate as a whole from an ownership GPP perspective, cash game tiers, lots of stuff. So you can check out all that linked up down below on Patreon, as well as some exclusive strategy guides, social medias at DFS on Twitter and SalVegiDFS over on Instagram. Instagram, I do release exclusive content uh, in terms of just updates on stories about where you can find some of my free and exclusive content only for instagram following be sure to follow me down below so let's go position by position here uh, and we'll start with quarterback so uh, quarterback player pool as of right now seems like nine guys that will be in there maybe more or less depending on where i come out with stacks but Mahomes, it's gonna be expensive i mean you have tyree very expensive this week uh, almost 9k i'm probably not getting there all that much and the field isn't he's below five percent home you have travis kelsey around average ownership he's 7200 that doesn't seem attractive i think that you have a very nice play in sammy watkins in a cheaper play in the low 5k range to pair with patrick Mahomes. the problem with watkins is he's playing in the slot more so his big play upside is nowhere near as much there but I think it's still okay to get there. Mahomes might be more of an X as in a maybe if you're new to my channel and content as a Y, which is a yes. Um, but at 7,400, I think he's fine. He's the guy that I prefer up in that top tier with him and Lamar Jackson. Aaron Rodgers at 6,500. Look, he's going to face a bottom five pass rush, a bottom five secondary, a bottom five tackling unit. Um, still does not have great receivers. It's Devontae Adams and a bunch of other guys. They should have to scheme in Aaron Jones more. Only four targets over the last three weeks, one target over the last two games. That's not good. You have to get this guy more involved, similar to how Jamal Williams is being involved still as a running back. So Rodgers at 6,500 in a matchup against the Giants. 26 implied team total, a, a slower pace scheme, but six and a half point favorites. Giants have been bad against quarterbacks. 22 fantasy points per game allowed this season is around top six on this slate out of uh, 22 teams. So 
obviously not bad or not not great uh, bottom 25 percent Rodgers I do like here uh, pairing him with Adams is a, is a no-brainer getting another piece is the issue there but I don't think you have to force stacks um, we've seen a lot more three-man stacks in terms of three-man game stacks this year you get an Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams you run it back with a guy like Saquon Barkley you run it back with a guy like uh, Sterling Shepard we've seen that work a lot this season instead of going full game stacks um and work with a uh, similar correlation, not as much correlation, but you still have enough to where you're not rostering a bad player like MVS, who is not even getting snaps or rostering a bad player or even a cheaper Jamal Williams. Like I don't want to do that. So Roger stacks, I'd probably be getting a lot of Devonte Adams and, and really just run it back with somebody from the Giants. Uh, Jared Goff seems like one of the better plays on the slate at quarterback. I think he's too cheap. He's been performing terribly. I get it, but they have a 25 implied team total. They're playing the fastest paced game on the slate and they're facing Arizona who right now gives up the most fantasy points per game to the quarterback. It is as good as it gets right here for Goff. He's been very bad. I understand that. But the fastest paced game against the worst team against quarterbacks with a nice 25 team total as a three and a half point favorite. Close spread indicates more potential uh, shot for a shootout. Obviously, Goff has clear stacking options, uh, preferably uh, probably going to, if you're not playing Todd Gurley, you don't want to correlate him with him, which I understand that, but I think Gurley's price point is nice. You can still get to Cup. You can go Cup, a Woods, um, and then a Cooks. Probably in GPPs, I would go Cup, Cooks, and Woods. Uh, but yeah, Goff at, at 6,000, I think it's I think it's fine. Even though he's been playing poorly lately, it's going to keep his ownership down. Nick Foles seems like a spot where a lot of people are going to jam it in. Um, he has not been good since returning in about two games now, um, two and a half games in the season due to the injury. Uh, he's in a good matchup against Tampa Bay, right? 25 uh, points per game allowed, second best um, for any quarterback. It's obviously a pass funnel defense. He has the clear stacking options. DJ Shark is too cheap. D.D. Westbrook in the slot at 5K is probably appropriately priced, if not a little bit expensive, but for this matchup, probably fair. And then Chris Conley on the outside has upside. Um, so I prefer stacking uh, Shark than Conley. Just outside receivers have more upside than a slot receiver. D.D. sees like 7 air yards per target. He has to survive on like 10 re- targets, which he can get. Um, but more times than not, Conley can survive on one reception of 60-plus yards on the outside for a touchdown. So give me Shark, then Conley, then D.D. in the slot. I think they're all fine. Uh, you can correlate. Leonard Fournette with him, but I don't think it's the most optimal thing to do, especially when there's three clear receiving options that probably each see somewhere around six to eight to ten targets. But Foles, 5,700, really nice price point. Those are my four yeses. Mahomes, Rodgers, Goff, and Foles. Uh, and then I have five maybes. Lamar Jackson, 7,000 against San Fran. He's not a priority by any means, but he's coming in at like 4% owned. We've seen what Lamar Jackson has done all year. He's facing a team that's very similar, not the same type of defensive line as New England, but he did fine against New England. He ran all over them. He is a cheat code. There's nobody who can stop him. Maybe San Fran, the best defense, maybe overall, top three, four defense, right there with the Steelers, right there with New England in the league. Um, it seems like a spot where Lamar can still have success at low ownership. That's scary. It is the slowest pace game in the slate, but usually Baltimore is the reason why for that. It is San Fran who gives up the least fantasy points per game to the quarterback position. So I understand it. He's priced up still 7,000, um, but he's going to be low owned. So there's always reason to get shares of him. He's definitely not a cash play this week for me. He's not a tournament priority, but if he's 4% owned, then you end up with like 8 to 10% Lamar and you have double the field. And if he ends up only getting you his floor of like, he's averaging 28.74 fantasy points per game, his floor of 20 points this week, it still doesn't kill you. Tyler Murray at 6,400. Yeah, look, Jalen Ramsey has not been good this year. Robbie Coleman in the slot has been good, and you pretty much know what to do with Kyler Murray. They don't have running backs. Chase Edmonds is back. That hurts Kenyon Drake's upside. You're, you're relying on Larry Fitz, uh, Christian Kirk, and an outside group of guys. Kyler Murray just lines up as a guy that I'd rather run naked here in, in the fastest po- total game against um, against the Rams that we were talking about. And Jared Goff on the other side, they're three and a half point underdogs, which is favorable. I like that for quarterbacks having to chuck the ball, but Kirk is cheap and he's getting ownership, but not cheap enough to where I think he's worth 20% of his ownership right now. We'll see, um, but I don't want to get to Fitzgerald. I don't want to stack both of them. Again, this is a spot where I think similar to Green Bay, I think you just do a correlating stack of a three game stack. You can go to a Kyler Murray, Christian Kirk, and then run it back with the endless amounts of guys on the other side, Todd Gurley, a Cooper Cup, things like that, but not a priority for me. 
Jameis Winston might slowly become a priority, but it's just tough price points. Goblin's up to 7,700 if you want to stack. Evans is down to 6,900, but still difficult to stack. Jacksonville, Boye on Evans, somewhat difficult matchup, not terribly. Jacksonville not allowing a ton of points to the quarterback. Decent pace spot. You know that you're going to get Jameis throwing for on average this season. Second on the slate, only behind Patrick Mahomes. 308.3 yards per game. 39.5 attempts per game is only behind Andy Dalton, who is ding-ding-ding back on the slate. Derek Carr and Andy Dalton round out my quarterback interest. $5,500 for Derek Carr. Um, nine and a half point underdog. Just going to have to chuck the ball. The guy only averages 30.6 pass attempts per game. Now he gets Kansas City after playing them week two. He's going to have to throw the ball 40 plus times. I don't really love their weapons. Waller's in a good spot. Tyrell Williams relies on low volume. Josh Jacobs is probably not going to be, uh, he's going to be more of a non-factor in this game, I would imagine. So he's a maybe here. Your clear stack for me is, is Darren Waller uh, and Tyrell Williams on the outside for upside. Hunter Renfro, I do believe, though, is in play out of the slot, seeing a lot more volume the second half of the season. And then Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's going to be close to a yes. He's a serious cash game consideration. When he was playing the first half of the year this year, he was averaging 42.3 pass attempts per game, 281.4 yards per game. That would be the fourth highest yards per game number on the slate, by far the highest by three pass attempts per game on the slate pass attempt but he's just terrible in terms of fantasy points per attempt point four uh point 0.403 fantasy points per attempt um that is the bottom four on this slate but i mean other guys that are in that range nick Foles, jared goff and i have guesses by their name so it's obviously a a very interesting set to look at but it can be very much skewed by your matchup for that week so dalton one he's 4700 dirt cheap Price is a backup in a matchup against the Jets where you have very good options here. Alden Tate becomes much more viable, had some sort of rapport with Andy Dalton, especially in the red zone. You have a much more viable now Tyler Boyd, so I think I don't think you get A.J. Green, but I think Tyler Boyd, Alden Tate, those stacks make a lot of sense with Andy Dalton in tournaments. Um, yeah, running back with the Jets, you have Le'Veon Bell, who I think is in a fine spot, Crowder in a fine spot. It's not a high upside stack run back. He's probably more of a cash play. Um, I would probably prefer, honestly, running it back with Le'Veon Bell there because you kind of correlate it with, okay, the Jets are ahead. Le'Veon Bell is getting his uh, 20 rush attempts, three or four receptions. That's good for Le'Veon Bell. He scores 20 plus points. And if they're ahead, that means Andy Dalton's probably throwing 42 times. So there's your correlation. I think Andy Dalton's going to become closer to a yes, but yes usually means that I'm getting like 10 plus percent of them. And Dalton, I don't know if I want that much of him. Going over to running backs, please be sure to hit the subscribe button before we continue on on this and the five-star rate interview on the podcast. A little self-promotion bump there. It helps me out a ton. Starting with running backs, Christian McCaffrey, top price. It makes sense. 10500 Price hasn't changed in four weeks. Uh, he's been 10000 plus for five straight weeks. He's a nine-and-a-half-point favorite against Washington. That allows uh, above-average fantasy points per game of 26.6 per week. In an above average pace spot, 25 team total. Yeah, it, it makes sense here. You have a very bad Washington team led by Dwayne Haskins, who has been terrible against Christian McCaffrey here, who, if you can afford him, is fine. I think there is very, it makes it difficult this week to afford him. There are very cheap stacks, which is good, right? Your, your Jacksonville stack where you can get Chris Conley for cheap and a very fair high upside DJ Shark for cheap. We just talked about the Bengals stack with a cheap, two cheap receivers at $5,500 Tyler Boyd, 4K type of receiver in Auden Tate with a cheap quarterback. So you can make McCaffrey work. There are ways to do it. But if you wanted high upside stack this week and you want to pay for the Chiefs, you're not getting to McCaffrey. So you have to choose and prioritize your lineup. I think once again that the guy is fine. If we just look at his updated numbers this season, the guy is averaging 27.6 opportunities per game, 20.1 pass uh, rush attempts, and 7.55 targets. Leading the slate, leading the league for running backs and targets per game, leading the slate slightly ahead of Nick Chubb in rush attempts per game, by far leading the slate in opportunities per game by 2.6 over Leonard Fournette, playing 93% of the snaps, 40 red zone rushes is tied for Nick Chubb for the most in the slate. This guy is just everything. We all know that. He's fine. Uh, Saquon Barkley at 7,400. Continues, in my opinion, to just be limited by this injury. Um, 7,400 against the Packers, who have been giving up points to the fantasy, to the running back position, second most in the slate, 29.5 per game. The offense is terrible right now for the Giants. They're six and a half point underdogs, so that's not good for Saquon. You don't want to play running backs who are just big size underdogs, but 
It's a guy who has the versatility as a running back. I don't prefer him over the next guy, but I think he's in play. Le'Veon Bell is the guy I prefer over Saquon. Le'Veon Bell's ownership right now is coming in at like half the ownership of Saquon and Leonard Fournette. I don't understand why. The guy's averaging 22 uh, touches per game over the last month of the season since he sat down with Adam Gaze and said, I want to be more involved. He's facing a team in Cincinnati that gives up the third most right behind the Packers fantasy points per game to running backs. He's a three and a half point favorite here. Team total is not great, 22 and a half, but look, he's a running back. Like we don't need the team total to be 30 for the running back to look good. It's better for the quarterback. Like if you're a favorite here and you're in a really good matchup and you're Le'Veon Bell seeing 20 plus touches and you fall into the end zone, even if your team only scores 20 points, you can still have a 30 point fantasy day. I think Le'Veon Bell is one of the better plays in the slate at low ownership, one of the better tournament plays, similar to this next guy, Todd Gurley, coming in at below average ownership. Last I checked, 12%, nice team total, 25 three and a half point favorite good match against Arizona 26.9 fantasy points per game allowed by Arizona this season and Todd Gurley look at his numbers last three weeks 75 plus percent of the snaps last four to five games 75 plus percent of the snaps coming off of a game where he played 90 plus percent of the snaps saw 30 touches um, this guy and Todd Gurley is going to just continue to have a ton of touches he's going to continue to do really well it seems like all the the narrative around his leg and all that has just disappeared for at least the past month of the season and he's 6,500 going unnoticed in a very favorable matchup once again he is a favorite in this one I think they're both low owned below average for Gurley, single digits for Bell, but they seem like the two better plays in the slate if you're not paying up for McCaffrey, like pairing a Le'Veon Bell with Todd Gurley, you're in line for potentially 50 plus touches, yes, like uh, it's not out of the question that Gurley can get 25 and Bell can get 25, more times than not you're in line for at least 40 to 45 touches out of these two guys, and you're only paying a combined 13,700 for players that are literally seeing all the touches on their team and are getting all the goal line work and are both pass catching running backs. So seems like a nice spot. I like both of those guys. Philip Lindsay, $5,000. He's okay. Like he saw similar snaps as Freeman last week, but he still outtouched him on the ground 13 to two. Two weeks ago, they said that he was going to be the main starter. Since then, he's pretty much out-touching um, Freeman, I believe, 35. <clears throat> it was 35 to 11. So, I mean, he has three times the amount of touches over the last two weeks. It was 34 to 11 as um, Royce Freeman. So, I think there is a clear split there after the coach said there was going to be. So, I do like that. Two-and-a-half-point underdog is okay for a pass-catching running back. $5,000 is his seven-week low bottom. So, even if he was to only see 15 touches in this one, um, he still has upside. The problem is he saw those touches 15 last week and Brandon Allen threw for nine second half yards. So hopefully we get a quarterback change very soon, but uh, Philip Lindsay's still in play. Then my maybes, Leonard Fournette, 7,500. I do prefer Saquon. I do prefer Le'Veon Bell. Look, Fournette's going to see second on the slate in opportunities right behind um, Christian McCaffrey. 25 plus opportunities per game. He's going to catch four balls if they're trailing. He's going to run the ball 20 times if they're ahead. Really difficult matchup against Tampa. One of the better run defenses in the league. Least fantasy points per game allowed to the running back position. Bottom three in rushing yards allowed per game into the low 60s. Not a good spot, but they do have a 25-point team total. He's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. Touchdown upside is there for Fournette. He's definitely in play. Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard. Howard has yet to be cleared for practice as of Tuesday or for contact. We'll see what's the update as of today or as of Wednesday. So we'll see what the update is as of Friday today. Uh, if he's in, well, then Miles Sanders just becomes not a great play at 5,400. If he's out, you can continue to go back to the Miles Sanders train as he's a 9.5-point favorite against Miami, giving up 29.1 fantasy points per game to the running back position, and they have a 27.5 team implied total, which is one of the higher ones on the entire slate. I believe it is tied for the second highest in the slate, only behind the Chiefs. Yes, it is. So, yeah, I think Miles Sanders, he has burned a lot of people back-to-back weeks, but he's played 85% of the snaps back-to-back weeks. I think there's a chance Ajayi continues to maybe eat into that 5 to 10% more, but you're going to get 75-plus percent of the snaps out of Sanders if there's no Howard, so I would like him there. If there is Howard and he's fully healthy, well, you're going to get a $4,700 Howard who is $800 cheaper than Sanders and is probably going to touch the ball more, so... 
If Howard is in and healthy and they're not saying anything about a snap limit, I prefer Howard there. No interest in Sanders. If no Howard, well then obviously no Howard and a lot of interest in Sanders. Joe Mixon, 5,800, slightly in play. I'd probably just say no, but there's really no other options. Like if Howard does suit up, your only 5K options are 5K Lindsay and nothing else. Um, your only 6K options for me are Todd Gurley. So I think that he's another option in that range, although he's a very far off option with a 19 implied team total, three and a half point underdog here. Not great, although he's seeing a lot of volume as of late. So far this season, Joe Mixon is now up to all the way up to 15 rush attempts per game, 17.7 opportunities per game, which if you remember the start of the season, this guy was like lucky to see like eight carries in a game. Jamal Williams at 4,500. Ownership's really high on this guy. It's approaching 20%. He's approaching being like a top six owned player. I get it. The price point dropped off. He's involved in the offense. The last game was skewed though. He's not going to get seven receptions in the game. They were trailing huge and they just said, you know what? We're just going to dump it off to you, especially in the last drive. He had like two receptions and just complete garbage time. Uh, six and a half point favorite, so that's good for running backs. But keep in mind, even though he produced well, he touched the ball a ton last week, like 15 times plus more than Aaron Jones. He was only on the field for 49% of the time to Aaron Jones, 51%. So he's still in a crazy running back by committee. And he's the guy who's not the majority running back in that it's Aaron Jones. So uh, paying crazy ownership, even at the cheap price point, it's a little bit wild for me. I do like the pass catching upside and the huge spread here and a nice matchup, of course, against the Giants, but it's not a spot that I say, oh, 4,500, he's the he's the cheap value that gets me to McCaffrey. No, not at all, especially when it's high owned. Like if he was not high owned, then yeah, you can get to there. Um, you hope for 12, 15 points out of him, but look, uh, more times than not, he's going to play 40% of the snaps. He's going to see 12 touches and he's going to have 40 yards, two receptions, ends up with like eight to nine fantasy points, 10 to 11 on a good day. And if he stays out of the end zone, that's where he's going to be for you. So no major interest there. Um, that's it for right now for me. Let's go over to wide receivers where I do have a decent sized list here of wide receiver. Uh, usually on these types of slates, I have like 20 to 22 on today's slate. I think I have like 24, um, as I make this blown out a little bit more. So today's slate, I have yet yeah, 24. We'll go down them. I think Devontae Adams is the best player on the slate. Any position, he's the highest home player. He should be. Uh, I think by far he is just, he's by far the best player in the slate. Uh, it's as simple as that. Um, there is nobody on this slate that is better than Devontae Adams at his price point. He is at, look, I don't care what the ownership is. He is $7,000. Let me just fix this. Um, he is currently $7,000 and he is underpriced by at least $500 to $1,000. He has a quality, fantastic quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. Whoops. Throwing him the ball. Um, and he is in a fantastic matchup against the Giants. Bottom five in pass rush, bottom five in tackling, bottom five in secondary. We'll see some Grant Haley in the slot for a third of his snaps. So here's as simple as this when it comes to ownership. Do not fade good players in great spots with a good quarterback and a cheap price point with a good team total. I mean, I'm trying to say everything there. Good team total, 26. Good quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, good spot. Giants defense is terrible. We just said how bad they rank. 43.3 fantasy points allowed to the court wide receiver position is the second highest in the slate. So yeah, Adams is the best player in the slate, in my opinion, across any position. DJ Shark is very close. DJ Shark might be a top five player in the slate, and he's lower owned. He's close to average ownership. 6,600 against Tampa. Carlton Davis is not stopping this guy. Nobody is. Um, it's easy to stack him with this quarterback. $5,700 Nick Foles. DJ Shark, a guy that so far this season um, is averaging somewhere close to nine targets per game with a ton of air yards close to 15 yeah give me dj shark ty hilton if he suits up is in a really good spot we've seen week in and week out tennessee secondary get torched he'd probably get a door jackson he's had success in that matchup before jackson has been the best cornerback for tennessee this year on the outside but nowhere near uh, somebody who can stop ty hilton it's just a matter of if he's healthy interesting spot here for golden state and the giants against green bay if golden state is out he's in the concussion protocol well sterling shepherd will move into the slot and then Darius slayton will have the primary responsibilities on the outside with Cody Lattimore. So if Golden State is out, I have a ton of interest in Sterling Shepard, who is currently an XA maybe for me. And it says if Tate misses, give me all the Sterling Shepard because Shepard is a bad outside receiver. Nowhere near as good as the slot. And Sam Darnold throws to the, or Sam Darnold, Daniel Jones throws to the slot way, way more than 
the outside and with way more efficiency and effectiveness more scheme plays there so if tate is in give me golden tate at 5800 price point doesn't move in a spot against green bay maybe a run back option if you go to an aaron Rodgers Devontae stack maybe a stack for the giants running back with Devontae adams i don't know but if he is in i like him if he is out give me sterling shepherd and more interest at least at that point in darius slayton but not a ton tyler boyd 5500 fair price point it comes up 500 dollars, but now he gets andy dalton back dalton's gonna throw 40 45 times in this game he's throwing 42.3 times a game he's starting maybe trying to chip on his shoulder in a very good matchup tyler boyd coming out of the slot tougher matchup against brian pool for a lot of this game brian pool has been good coming off of a pick six game but still a spot fine spot where tyler boyd should be peppered with 10 plus targets potentially even 10 plus receptions in this type of environment sammy Watkins, the favorite play for me on kansas city just because he's cheap like tyreek's so expensive it's really hard to get to him the opportunity cost makes him unattractive for me and then you have travis kelsey same thing really expensive for a tight end 7200 just trying to get in some chief stacks. Um, maybe you just do just Sammy Watkins with um, just Sammy Watkins with Patty Mahomes running back with Darren Waller, or it at least allows you to fit in a Travis Kelsey, right? A cheaper player in Sammy Watkins. I think I like that spot. Coming out of the slot limits is big play upside, like we talked about earlier, but it's still there. D.D. Westbrook fit $5,000. Definitely in play coming out of the slot uh, here. They've just been rotating players into that slot cornerback position after releasing Vernon Hargraves about three weeks ago. And then Chris Conley, his teammate. So you can see on here, all the Jacksonville players are yeses for me. That means I'm going to probably have a lot of interest in a Jacksonville stack as of right now. It's going to be chalky though. So if it becomes over chalky, well, then I'm not going to just stack something that the entire field is on because even if that stack goes for uh, 25 points for Foles, 25 points for Shark, 20 points for Conley. I'm in a good spot, of course, right? I would lose maybe if I didn't have it, but it's also not helping me out all that much. So if anything, I try and bet against it at that point. Uh, my maybes, Godwin's priced up, really expensive now, 7,700, low ownership though. So if he continues to remain low, I'll get to it. He will not have to face AJ Boye for most of it as he'll be in the slot. His teammate, Mike Evans, I have a little bit more interest in because he's $800 cheaper, but not a ton of interest. Um, both guys are just secondary options for me because, again, Jameis is a secondary option if you look at my stacks. Cooper Cup in play at 7,100 against Arizona. It's a spot where they've been leaking slot wide receiver points, and I have a lot of interest in golf, so I'll have a lot of interest in Cup, Cooks, and Woods. I'll just kind of rank them here because I have interest in all of them. In cash, it's Cup, Woods, and Cooks. In tournaments, it's Cup, Wood, or Cup, Cooks, and Woods. So just flip the Cooks, who's a more tournament-friendly player, and Woods, who's a more cash-friendly player, although has tournament upside. Flip those guys around for the formats. Uh, DJ Moore, 6,800. Really hard to recommend him over Adams for sixty for 7,000 and over DJ Sharp for 66. But if you're in that range, he's low-owned because of that, because those guys are going to be higher-owned than him. So I think it's okay to get to Keenan Allen tougher matchup against Chris Harris Jr. has had success in the past 6,500. He's going unnoticed uh, team total, not great of 20 and a half. So it's something in the matchup again, that just doesn't allow touchdowns, but Keenan Allen is a guy who comes on in the second half, finally healthier after having a three week, really rough patch of a month where he was playing injured. And he came out and said that it kind of went under the radar a little bit, but yeah. I think he's okay. Juju, if healthy, I think is fine at 59. Christian Kirk is getting over-owned, in my opinion, at 57, but he seems okay as well. Crowder up to 56, or down to 56, I should say, in a more beneficial matchup. I'm more interested in Crowder in this week than really any other week over the last two or three because he was priced up with high ownership. Now he's priced down with low ownership. Tyrell Williams is usually a guy I don't get to. I like the team total. Or I like the game total. Team total is gross, 21, right? They're huge underdogs here, about 10-point underdogs, but they're going to have to chuck the ball. Um, and instead of him seeing four or five targets that are usually high upside downfield, this week, you might have to see seven or eight, maybe even closer to 10. So yeah, Tyra Williams becomes closer to a yes for me if you are game stacking Oakland and KC either side of it. Darius Slayton, I don't really have much interest. I just wanted to mention what I already did. If Golden Tate is out, Shepard moves into the slot. Slayton becomes the primary outside receiver, so he doesn't have to compete as much with Shepard on the outside targets. Hunter Renfro at 43, I think, is definitely in play. More of a cash game play, though, for me, but he should see somewhere around seven, eight targets out of the slot. Again, though, if he has seven targets out of the slot, the low eight out of those in yards after the catch being something that he has been excelling at, but it's definitely a little bit above his head for a rookie coming out of the slot. He probably ends up more times than that with like a 60 or six catch for like 70 yard performance. He finds the end zone great, so definitely in play. 
Corey Davis too cheap at 4K and Auden Tate at 38. Like Greg Ward, who was activated by the Eagles last week off practice squad, caught like his first three balls ever in his life in the first quarter, and he's more expensive than Corey Davis now. Uh, the matchup against India is not great. They have a really strong secondary and, and really just um, a solid and disciplined uh, zone defense that really halts anything you want to do, but it's still fine. Auden Tate at 3,800 with Andy Dalton back. I like it. I think it's low upside stacks of Andy Dalton, Tyler Boyd, and Auden Tate. I don't think they can all get there, but if he throws 45 times, they might be able to just get there based on pure volume. But I think Auden Tate is a interesting, um, very very much used and had a rapport downfield with Andy Dalton, especially around the red zone as well. So I think he's an interesting play at 3,800 in all formats. Moving over to tight end, which is stacked this week compared to most weeks. Like You don't usually see tight end being this stacked, but uh, what you end up getting here is just a ton of okay options but a lot of guys who are priced up i like waller i think he's okay 5500 they're gonna have to throw the ball he probably sees eight to ten targets this week against kansas city if his quarterback's gonna throw 40 times instead of 30 you see an extra bump of 25 percent on pass attempts here than normal maybe for Derek Carr. so an extra bump for the aaron waller of 25 percent he usually sees about seven targets so you're looking around eight targets is a projection here a rough projection or, or nine targets i think that's pretty good 5500 Evan Ingram, if he plays, is the best tight end play on the slate. Uh, the Packers are terrible against tight ends. They faced every good one, but also guys who are like middling and the Greg Olson's names, and they've been done, done really well. They just they don't have the personnel to cover tight ends. It's as simple as that. If Evan Ingram suits up, he has not practiced on Wednesday or Thursday, so it doesn't seem like it. Um, but then you get this dirt cheap Caden Smith, the 2,900, who I don't really want to rely on, who scored a touchdown last week to really get you there. But um, these are guys that the Packers just, they can't defend tight ends, especially athletic ones like Evan Ingram. Rhett Ellison has not practiced either, so we'll see what happens there. David Njoku still question marks around if he'll suit up. Brutal matchup against Pittsburgh, honestly, but since Minka Fitzpatrick is there, I have him as a yes. I'm going to make him as a maybe. Yes, just because I was excited if he did suit up, but the matchup now thinking about it more is, is just brutal. Uh, Eric Ebron is done. He does not want to play football. He is he is saying that it's a business decision and he's not playing. So uh, yeah, $3,300 highest owned right now, tight end on the board, coming in around 18% ownership, 15% on some sites. It's above average. $3,300 Jack Doyle. I understand it. Just keep in mind that um, these guys are averaging like a week, probably around seven or eight targets. Mo Ali Cox should maybe see one of those targets. Like I think Doyle's in line for six to seven targets in a nice game at 3,300 and by far the best volume you could project for a $3,300 tight end. But if he starts to become 20, 25% ownership, just know that he relies on touchdowns. If he catches five balls for 40 yards, that's good for a $3,300 tight end, nine fantasy points. But is it as good to beat out 30% of the field that has him? Right now, I think he's fine where he's in ownership. I think he's a great cash um, option, maybe the best cash option if Evan Ingram doesn't suit up a tight end. And then Hunter Henry is my final yes. The NBA video just went up. Beautiful. Hunter Henry is my final yes against Denver. Tougher matchup, but he's just getting so much volume. Um, he's going to see seven, eight, maybe more targets than that. 5,800 is really nice. Right now, I'd rank my tight ends if I had to. Say Evan Ingram, please. Uh, give me Evan Ingram. We'll, we'll talk GPPs, I guess. Uh, Evan Ingram, Darren Waller, Hunter Henry, and then Jack Doyle. Cash should probably be if Evan Ingram plays. <clears throat> and then if he doesn't play, just take the next guy on the list. <clears throat> If he doesn't play as of right now, I'd probably go for Cass, uh, Jack Doyle, um, or if he does play, Jack Doyle, Evan Ingram, Darren Waller, Hunter Hay <coughs> for Cash. And then my maybes, it's just a bunch of guys. Kittle seems in a really tough matchup against Baltimore secondary. Earl Thomas, not a great spot overall, but a fair price point. Should see remainder and continue to see eight targets. Um, George, or Travis Kelsey, 7,200, just not a spot I want to get to. I know the ceiling on this guy in this matchup is 30 plus points. I also know that if he doesn't score touchdowns, he's going to score 17 points at 7,200. And that's just not great. But keep this in mind. If you take the price tag or if you take the positionality off of him and you said Travis Kelsey's a wide receiver with the same skill set at 7,200, you'd say, well, that's a fair price point. Do I want to pay for it, though? He's a little bit more expensive than Devontae Adams. Honestly, I might say, yeah, it's it's a decent price point. So uh, Kelsey at 7,200 in this matchup against Oakland. I'm going to make it a yes right now as we talk about this. Because I usually I used to say that earlier in the year, but it's true. If you 
take the positionality off of him and just say, oh, no, he's not a tight end. He's a wide receiver because that's how he lines up a lot on the outside and in the slot, and he runs a ton of routes. Well, then he's similarly priced right now as Devontae Adams, who I think is way underpriced for his matchup, and so is Kelsey. So Kelsey's a yes. Ertz at 6700 just too expensive. Like, I just rather prefer paying down or paying up, get $500 more for Kelsey, or pay all the way down for Hunter Henry's of the world, Ingram's if he plays Wallers. Uh, Mike Gusecki's a punt tight end, but I think you have better punt tight ends than Jack Doyle. Vance McDonald, who was 1% owned after burning a lot of people last week, does not become as good of a play if Juju suits up. And OJ Howard at 3,000 ran just as, ran a lot of routes, played 77% of the snaps after being benched in the one game. So honestly, uh, Mike Gusecki scores his first touchdown week before, back-to-back weeks of breaking his records for highest career snaps. So his usage is very good. I think you should stay on this sheet. Uh, Dallas Goddard's on the field a ton. They've ran 85% two tight end sets, or 85% of the time both tight ends played last week, um, or 85% snaps for each of those tight ends. I don't know if they're on the field all the time, but imagine they would be together. Uh, so yeah, it's good spots for them. Lots of tight ends here, right? But uh, here's the thing. Jack Doyle is the punt tight end in the cash. Don't get cute. In tournaments, he's probably still the punt tight end if you want to, even at the ownership, as long as it doesn't get crazy high. So like these guys in the bottom of the list, I just think they're viable. You're Mike Gusecki's, McDonald's, and OG Howard's, but not really recommending them with any high volume. So that's it. That is the um, week 13 uh, picks video. Final thoughts since it's later in the week, I guess we can say. I'll do closing thoughts on Friday over on Patreon. You can get that linked up down below if you're interested in my exclusive content, want to support me more. If you want to check out anything else as well, I'm just leaving the target off and cheat on the board for the people on YouTubers. And if you want to check out anything else, um, just hit the link down below. Check out my social medias, Instagram, Salvechi, Twitter, at Salvechi DFS, as well as you can also check out my exclusive content on Patreon, like I said, NBA projections every day, and also information on NBA products down below, as well as my NFL stuff. Spend about 25, 30 hours a week over there. Hit the subscribe button before you go. Five-star rate and review is greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, thank you so much. Really do appreciate all the support. Peace out, gang. I hope you enjoyed that podcast. And before you go, if I can get you to subscribe and follow the podcast, download a few if you wish. But if you enjoyed this podcast, if you can please subscribe, helps me out, helps support it. So thank you so much. And I will see you in the next one.